Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio and the Aaron Torres Podcast. He joins us right now on the phone lines. And Aaron, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing well, guys. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me. Uh, I apologize. I know I was supposed to be on with you last week. Got a little hectic, a little chaotic. But, you know, as you said, John, there's no... Certainly no shortage of things to talk about in the world of sports right now. It's a busy time, but sure does beat, you know, June, July when there isn't as much to talk about. So. Yeah, well, you know, I know the dog park was really uh, an important stuff for you, man. So it was. Yeah, yeah. We had, you know, we had a blast. There was a little Frenchie that was kind of harassing me literally at the moment. Like, I figured, oh, you know, I can kind of go in the back and, you know, I'll, I'll keep it myself and I'll bring my dog with me. But, you know, my, my little girl was making friends. And, you know, you know, you, one thing I will say, John, I know you have a dog. Like, you can't be the guy at the dog park that just ignores your dog and expects everybody else to watch him. So about 10 minutes before, there was no other dogs in the park. And I'm like, oh, I could totally do this call, throw the ball, we'll have a good time. And then sure enough, you know, I don't know if you guys had teased it on the show or what, but all of a sudden, 10 minutes later, the dog park was bumping and uh, I couldn't step away. But no dog park today, all buzz, all the time. And I uh, appreciate you guys having yeah, well, it's good to have you on regardless, man, because I know that uh, we'll get to some of the other topics. But I- I'm curious because we-, we did discuss this a little bit with the whole Michigan football deal, and I know you've been uh, discussing this on-, on your show and podcasts and everything with Connor Stallions and the developments that have come from it. This is definitely one of the most interesting college football stories I've seen in a while. But uh, today it was reported that the Big Ten coaches are getting frustrated that the Big Ten's not doing anything about it. Like I, this, it's just every day there's a new development and a new wrinkle. So where it stands right now, like what do you make of this story and what do you think ends up being the end result? Yeah. So first of all, um, you know, I agree. And, you know, sometimes in our business, you don't know, are you overdoing it? Are you overselling stuff? I just find it to be absolutely fascinating because it is relatively unprecedented territory. We, we all agree that side stealing happens. And, you know, you first get the report of, oh, you know, maybe they attended a game or two in person. And then all of a sudden, like you said last week, John, it felt like every single day it was one story after another after another. Uh, but what I will also say is, you know, I know a lot of you know folks in Arkansas are familiar with my work. Many of them listen to my podcast. And this was something that I, I talked about on my show last week because, um, you know, everybody's sitting there saying, oh, it's no big deal. It's this and that. And you know, even if the NCAA investigates, like, you can't really do anything. And, and, and I had been asked, and I kind of looked into it, just called some people, you know, like, does the, does the Big Ten have precedent to do anything? And I said on my show a week ago, it was last Friday, I said, the Big Ten absolutely has precedent. And I said, I think there, there's two different variables. I said, the, 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 the president, or excuse me, the commissioner is brand new. He just got hired, I think, July 1st. He's got a million things. They're bringing in new four, four new schools next year. And I said, I don't think he wants anything to do with this. Like, I think he wants it to play out, whatever. But what I also said was, I said, I bet, I guarantee, I said on Friday, I said, I guarantee he's going to get some internal pressure from some of these schools. Like, hey, you got to do something here because the Big Ten does have the precedent where, you know, they can remove them from postseason competition or whatever. So uh, I saw the report yesterday. I still think it's unlikely to happen. And I think for Michigan, the best thing that could possibly happen is they get back on the field. I mean, you know, usually a bye week late in the year is a good thing. But I think for Michigan, I think not being on the field last week really hurt them because it just allowed this story to continue to snowball, continue to snowball. So they get back on the field Saturday. I'll tell you this. uh, If I was Michigan, I would run up the score to the best of my ability. 
uh, show that Connor Stallions isn't the reason you're beating everybody. But there have certainly been a lot of layers to this, John. And, and the Big Ten one is a very interesting one because, as you said, the Big Ten could, in theory, um, you know, step in here if they feel like stuff has been done. Whether they do that or not remains to be seen. Aaron, what do you think is a realistic timeline that we could be looking at that something would be done? Because we know that the NCAA, their investigations take quite a while. But if we're talking about the Big Ten and talking about the conference here, that makes it a little bit different. So, you know, as mentioned, that Michigan is in a great run right now. And so they could possibly go on to win a championship this year. So what's the realistic expectation that would be a timeline and something happening? Well, the realistic expectation, I still think, Joe, is that the, the Big Ten would not get involved. And if the Big Ten doesn't get involved, then it's a standard NCAA investigation. And I do think this one could go a little bit quicker, um, only because if you read the, the, the Washington Post story that broke last week, um, essentially all this information came out from an internal investigation that had nothing to do with Connor Stallion. And so in theory, the information is more readily available that it would be in an investigation where you got to come to campus, interview people, all that stuff. With that said, though, we also know, or, or for people who do not know, the way that the process works is that the NCAA, once they do do the investigation, they come to campus and then they file a report. If that's what the notice of allegations, everyone's heard of a notice of allegations. Um, Michigan has 90 days to respond to that. So if the Big Ten doesn't get involved, um, then in theory, you know, the NCAA could drop a drop a notice of allegations today and still nothing would be done before the end of the season. And what I would also say is that's why it felt like there was some urgency from those Big Ten coaches yesterday of basically saying, like, guys, nothing's going to happen from the NCAA this season. Something has to be done now. Now, we could debate should it happen, should it not happen. But, you know, if the question that you asked me, Joe, was realistic time frame. And I still think it feels very unrealistic that anything happens in 2024 or 2023 this season, unless, of course, again, the Big Ten makes the relatively unprecedented move to, to, to make a move, even if the NCAA isn't willing to. So since the timeline of this has been basically over the past three years, and it seems like more and more evidence is coming out against it, uh, do you believe that this type of, uh, I almost want to call it a heist, it seems like, but just this whole story had so much to do, and if not everything to do, with the success that Michigan's had because, as you, I'm sure you've seen the numbers, what they did wins-losses before the scandal started and after is pretty different. So you think it had as big of an impact as what people believe? John, I'll say this, and, and it's another thing I've said. I, you know, I've said this literally since the scandal broke when everyone thought, oh, it's no big deal, blah, 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 blah. What I've said is this, is Michigan was my preseason pick to win the national championship. I was saying two or three weeks before everybody that I believe Michigan's the best team in the country this season. And in a year where everyone's saying there's no great teams, I said, well, actually, just pay attention to Michigan. I bring all that up to say, John, this scandal has made me completely reevaluate everything. Like, is Michigan really the best team, or were they completely benefiting from information that nobody else had access to? Um, are they really the favorite? You know, I just find it interesting that, that as the college football, you know, playoff poll came out this week, you know, I heard a lot of people saying stuff like, well, Michigan is clearly the best team, but they just don't have the resume to be number one. I said, well, are they clearly the best team? Like, like they're the best team because we know that they had somebody doing something that we don't think anybody else was doing. And so, you know, I said this on another interview today, John and, and Joe, is I really think 
I really think the most important thing for Michigan is to get back on the field and kick butt this weekend. Uh, because I think if they go out and they beat Purdue 52 to three, they play Purdue this weekend for people who don't know. If they win 52 to three, I believe, and I could be dead wrong, I believe a lot of this starts to quiet down. Because then you can have the Big Ten coaches yelling and screaming and complaining. But ultimately, Michigan says, look, you guys suspended this Stallions guy. We kicked the crap out of Purdue. Let's say they go to Penn State next week and win 24 to nothing. Then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, come on. This guy really had nothing to do with anything. On the flip side, if it's 21 to 17 uh, with Purdue with the ball with the chance to win late in the fourth quarter, then I think we all know what the conversation is going to be on Monday coming out of that game. And, oh, by the way, and I also think it goes back to the conversations about the Big Ten, right? Like, you know, if, if Michigan starts winning games but they're really close and all of a sudden, you know, it's two weeks from now, then the, 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 the Big Ten has a different stance than they do today. If they, if they continue to dominate, if they dominate without Connor Stallions, then I think it changes the narrative a little bit. So, um, first of all, I, I – it shows how interesting this story is that we've been talking about it for 10 minutes and I'm happy to talk about it. I find it interesting. I just find like all the different angles so interesting. Um, but I also bring it up to say that I, I truly believe in my heart of hearts. If Michigan wants to start to quiet this narrative down, go out and kick the crap out of Purdue. Because like I said, if you win 24 to 17, 21 to 17, 21 to 13, and you look like you did two years ago in 2020, when the program was a mess and we thought Harbaugh had to go, I think it's only going to reignite this whole conversation going into next week. Big games going on in college football this weekend. First of all, Aaron, what do you think of LSU-Bama and then of the other big games? Who's on upset alert? Well, LSU-Bama, I mean, you guys have seen them both. Um, I think it's so fascinating. Just It's just such a clash of styles. Um, you know, first of all, I would add, like, I think both coaching staffs have done a great coaching job this year. Um, you know, and I know it's Alabama, LSU. Nobody should be throwing a parade because they're good late in the year. But, you know, Brian Kelly, I was thinking about this, like, for years, I mean, he was the, the, the offensive line, run game, you know, whatever guy at, at Notre Dame. And now he has the, the most explosive offense in all of college football. And so for him to evolve this way, it's part of the reason why he came to LSU with the coach guys like Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, et cetera. Uh, and then Nick Saban to kind of go back in time and say, you know what, I don't have a Bryce Young. I don't have a Mac Jones. I don't have a Tua. I've got to win differently. Um, you know, I, I think that to me just speaks to two coaches that are doing really good coaching jobs to get the most out of the group that they have. Um, as far as a pick, you know, I, I, I could see it going either way. I mean, I think the fact that the point spread is around Alabama as a three-point home favorite, that usually means that Vegas thinks that these two teams are pretty evenly matched. I would lean Alabama at home. And then, Joe, you said upset alert. And I'll tell you, man, I um, I could be crazy on this. I think USC is beating Washington this weekend. And everybody, you know, we all had the takes on Caleb Williams, should he shut it down. I don't think people realize that if, if USC wins right now, if, if USC wins out, they are playing for the Pac-12 championship. Now, they'd have to beat Washington. They'd have to beat Oregon. They'd have to beat UCLA. I'm not saying it happens. But if they went out there playing for a Pac-12 championship, and I'll tell you this, you know, uh, they went out. Caleb Williams is probably winning the Heisman Trophy because that means he beat Michael Penix and Bo Nix head-to-head. So, a lot to play for. Washington isn't playing well. 
that's the game. I think USC, I watched a lot of that game last week. It was not pretty, but I actually thought they showed some pretty good fight in the second half. They were down double digits at halftime and rallied to win. Uh, I think USC pulls off the upset at home against Washington this week. Speaking with Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio and the Aaron Torres podcast here on Out of Bounds. And Aaron, uh, I also maybe people are not really paying attention as much, but still Bedlam is this weekend, and it's Oklahoma-Oklahoma State. And we know it's always been a true rivalry, but Oklahoma is going to be joining the SEC next year. Oklahoma State will be staying in the Big 12, and it looks like both sides are not going to be playing Bedlam. So is this the last Bedlam we ever see this weekend, or do you think at some point they'll reconcile and make it work once again? Well, I, I think at some point they'll they'll reconcile. But I'll say this is, you know, I, I do believe in my heart of hearts, like I think you can legitimately argue this will be the most hostile environment that we see anywhere in college football at any point this season. Because, like, you know, I, I live in, in Pac-12 country, right? And you look at the Pac-12, the Pac-12 outside of Oregon uh, State and Washington State, it's kind of like your last day of high school, right? Like, like everybody's kind of going their own direction. And everybody, you know, a lot of people kind of moved up in the world and whatever. Um, the, the Oklahoma State situation, Oklahoma State got left for dead by Oklahoma. We can pretend that that's not what happened, but Oklahoma said, screw you guys, we're going to the SEC, and it's easy to forget now. The, a lot of people don't think the Big 12 was going to survive after that, and nobody really knew what the future of a school like Oklahoma State was. And so you can see where a Mike Gundy is so emotional, where a Mike Gundy is refusing to play this game going forward. So to answer your question, John, yeah, I think they'll play again at some point. It, I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't until after Mike Gundy uh, ends up leaving college football altogether. We'll see how many years he has left. But you just talk about an, a rivalry where there's, there's always hostility, but now there is so much more because not just that Oklahoma's leaving, but because of how it happened. Yeah, that's going to be a wild, wild atmosphere Saturday afternoon in Stillwater. There's been a lot of interest in Georgia's season altogether because they're going for three straight championships but a lot of focus on their stretch run and that starts this weekend against Missouri so what do you think uh as far as that matchup and then Missouri the chances that Missouri pulls the upset well uh what I would say is it is interesting and we're all guilty of this but you go back to you know June August is we're all starting to get ready for college football. And, of course, the narrative was like, oh, I mean, you know, Georgia, I mean, they got a cakewalk to the chest. They're not even going to be challenged until uh, until the SEC championship game. Now it's like you look and it's like, oh, my goodness, they got, you know, we're talking about three ranked teams here, at least three teams that are currently ranked in the next three weeks. And I would expect all three of those teams to be ranked opponents. Good news is you get two at home, but I'll give Missouri credit. I, I actually think they're pretty good. I know you guys don't like them over there and all that, but, you know, Drinkwitz is, is a guy that I've never really been all that impressed by, and I think he's done a heck of a job. I don't think Brady Cook gets enough respect, and I get it. It's Missouri. There's other good quarterbacks in this league, but he's playing well. That passing game is playing well, and I do think from the Georgia perspective, I, I think there's only so many times Kirby Smart can go to the well of nobody believes in us. I think last week without Brock Bowers, he kind of played it up and, you know, people were doubting you. I, I don't think that's something that can sustain. So I guess the, the long and the short of this is I, I do think Georgia prob probably does lose the regular season game one time over the next three weeks. I don't know that I'm ready to strongly predict which one it will be. 
Um, but I think they'll be okay, and I think they're going to go to Atlanta with a chance to, to, to go to the college football playoff. But this is a really, really, really tough three-game stretch, three straight weeks starting with Missouri this week. Any chance Arkansas knocks off Florida in the swamp this weekend? Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, you know, listen, you guys know that program so much better than I do. Um, but it was clear the Dan Enos thing wasn't working. And, it, you know, it's one where I just – I can't say that I'm going to pick it. But, look, Dan Enos, it was not working. And, and you guys have spent a lot of time talking about it, certainly more than I have. And so I bring it up because, I, I, you know, we'll see what Kenny Guyton is like calling plays. Uh, I'm not a scheme expert, but you would hope that he would kind of go back to some of the success that, that, that Ken O'Brien's had uh, when he was the offensive coordinator. And so I absolutely think they can. Can I predict it? Of course I can't predict it. But it, I think the offense will look better. I think the team will be rested. The defense has been excellent all year for the most part. So, um, yeah, I absolutely think they can. I just, it's just, I just don't know what to realistically expect from that offense given um, not, not just even like the, the chaos of the last couple of weeks, but most importantly, like I just don't even know that we can realistically know what to expect to see. But, hey, that's probably good news because that means that Billy Napier and his staff probably won't know what to expect to see either. <laughs> All right, before we let you get out of here, uh, we just got a few minutes left with you, A.T., but, uh, you know, Bobby Knight and the passing of him and just what do you think about when you think of Bobby Knight and the impact that he had on the game of basketball in general? Yeah, you know, John, I'm about your age, man, and it's funny because what I would say is I I think a lot of people our age and younger, we either didn't see him at all or we certainly didn't see him at his peak, and then we saw him on TV when he was just as grumpy and angry as he was as a coach, and so – I think there's, there's a lot of people probably under the age of 40 that have no real recollection of Bobby Knight at his peak. But what I've told people for the last 24 hours, get, get, it, get your hands on a copy of the book, A Season on the Brink. Okay, So John Feinstein, author, followed him around for a year kind of at his apex. And you can kind of see in that book you know, the, the, the brilliance of this guy, how he motivated a team. Yes, he crossed the line. Yes, there's vulgar language but also how that team came together, how they improved, how they evolved over the year. And that, uh, you know, book really gave me a newfound appreciation and respect for who that guy was. I've read it two or three times since then. If anybody's going on a vacation over the Christmas break or whatever, grab a copy, read it. I think it'll give you a newfound appreciation because this guy was a genius and he was one of the best to ever do it. Uh, And obviously, you know, it's a sad passing, but he lived a full life and, and obviously the people that knew him best, including Coach Muss, apparently, I saw his tweet this morning, uh, really seemed to revere him. And, and at the end of the day, if the people that know you best love you the most, that, that, that's a fulfilling life. Guys, so. Well, I may be remiss, but real quick, since you brought it up, Eric Musselman, Razorback basketball team, they beat Purdue in an exhibition. So how does this team go 40-0? Um, well, it starts, you know, they say every good run to a national championship starts with a big Halloween night. So you got to tell me, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, what was it like going trick-or-treating with the guys? I mean, come on, I, give me the real analysis. I don't want the fake analysis. I want the real stuff. Yeah, I was like, uh, I was like Steve Buscemi in that meme where it's like, hello, my fellow kids. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> I felt like so out of place and I was just like, what am I doing here? But no, it was, uh, it was pretty entertaining to say the least. And I think the, the players got a really big kick out of just walking around and trick-or-treating. So let me, real quick, I know you guys probably got to go. So did, so nobody in the neighborhood knew. There's just, you know, little 12-year-old kids dressed as, uh, you know, fairy godmothers, and then there's a bunch of six, eight, six, nine guys and John Neighbors walking up to the door right after. Is that how it went down? Yeah, pretty much. There was uh, a lot of families and they had, uh, parents in golf carts that were driving their kids around and whatnot, and then 
Uh, some of the kids came up and asked if they were on the basketball team, and they said, uh, I think it was Brazil. Somebody said, no, we're volleyball, and they like walked away disappointed <laughs> uh, just to make uh, make some make some fun with them. But, no, it was it was definitely like they went all out, but the, the neighborhood had some fun with it. The, of course, Mus had some fun with it, and it was so cold they didn't stay out for very long. But, yeah, it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good thing for content at least. I was going to say, nobody knows content like John Neighbors and Eric Musselman. You guys yeah. are like two, uh, two of the uh, Mount Rushmore people on that. I'm probably up there somewhere as well. But made for good content. I, you know, I only saw a couple clips, but it looked like a good time. And, uh, you know, sorry, sorry that you were the weird old guy, John, but for the rest of us, it seemed very enjoyable. So. Hey, listen, I'll, I'll take being the old weird guy if it means that uh, I get to hang out at Eric Musselman's house and uh, have some really great pasta because that's uh, really what it was all about. Ooh. And Yeah, it was good time. So, But listen, Aaron, as always, dude, we appreciate you joining us. Great stuff. Enjoy the weekend of college football and all the sports, man. I know we'll be catching up with you soon. All right. Thanks, fellas. Have a great weekend. Thank you.